everyone chooses to die, yet everyone will. Everyone has questions like, what happens after this life? Will I just lie in the dirt forever? Will I go somewhere after I die? What is that place like? What is after life? Well, hey, good morning to you, Grace. It is so good to see you at home this morning. But next week, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person at Grace Community Church outside at 9 in the morning. If you stick around afterwards, I'm going to give you a little bit more details on what to expect this coming Sunday. But in the meantime, we're in this series that we're calling After Life. And that video introduces so well what most people imagine happen after their life. They just end up in a cemetery in the ground. In Indiana, there's a a cemetery that has old headstones, and there's a headstone there that is over 100 years old, and this is what it says. And if you can't read it on the screen, I'll read it for you. It says, pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. Let me read that one more time so you get what's happening here. The headstone says, pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, meaning alive, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, meaning dead, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And so some person walked by the headstone, read it, and they scrawled on the bottom uh, a finish to the poem, someone's response to it, and I've typed it out here so you can see it. They wrote down at the bottom, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> and that is, that is the truth. Uh, that is the truth. What happens after this life? What happens after the graduation parties and the, and the retirement and the first loves and the first kisses and the jobs that you have and the, the RV trips and the camping that you do with your kids and the, the long hospital stay that precedes your death? What happens after this life? And as this poem would insinuate, there are two options one or the other, and most people don't like to think like that. Most people like to think that there's one option. Most people like to think that there's one option. Everybody just goes to a good place, right? I mean, we're all pretty good. Everyone goes to to heaven, right? But that's not what the Bible says. You remember last week, we looked at this verse, Hebrews 9, 27, where it says, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. A person's spirit goes to God and is judged before God, and there are two results of that judgment. God only has two choices, A or B. There's no none of the above. There's no all of the above. A or B, heaven or hell. Heaven, you know, the, the, the place where, where uh, Christians go when they die. You remember Jesus, when he was crucified, was crucified with two other uh, thieves on each side of him. One of the thieves mocked him. The other thief on the other side had a change of heart. He had a change of mind. He, he started to think differently than he had his previous life entirely, and he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the Savior sent from God, God in the flesh. And Jesus says to him, you'll be with me in paradise today. 
that heaven. You know, the Apostle Paul says to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord, that heaven. There's only two options, heaven or hell. Hell was not created for people. Hell was created for Satan and his demons as a, as a punishment. Hell was created before sin even entered into the world. And yet now, even though it wasn't created for people, now all of those who are unrighteous, their ultimate destiny is in hell. The wages of sin is death, eternal place in hell, heaven or hell. And as, as little as the Bible tells us about heaven, we get much less about hell. And so this series is primarily on what heaven is like for Christians. What is it like after I die? And talking about heaven is, is, is not an easy thing. Learning about heaven is not an easy thing. It's like trying to describe to a baby that is in his, in his mom, about, about ready to be born in a traumatic moment in just a few minutes from now, trying to describe to that baby what life is like. How would you describe to that baby? And we could start imagining kind of the words that we would use. We'd start using words like dogs and puppies. We'd start talking about Disneyland and Chuck E. Cheese. Some kids are scared of Chuck E. Cheese, all right? But most aren't, all right? So Chuck E. Cheese and birthday parties and toys and Amazon Prime, all of these things. And the little baby inside of the mom would say, I do not know what you're talking about. I know of none of these things. Be quiet, let me go back to my meal. And then you say, no, 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 no. It's a wonderful place. You're only gonna be there for a short period of time, but you're gonna be out here much longer and it's wonderful. Think of graduation celebrations and home runs by the Dodgers, and all of the candy that you can imagine, all of the love that you could ever feel, and you'll even have your first kiss. And the little baby inside of the mom's womb would say, I know nothing of what you're talking about. None of those things make sense to me at all. I am happy where I am. Do not make me go through the trauma in the next five minutes. And that's what heaven is like. Heaven is, is, indescribable. Heaven is inexpressible. Heaven is, is unimaginable. And that's exactly the way that Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 to 4. He says, I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, but such a man was caught up to the third heaven and heard inexpressible words. Paul got a glimpse of heaven. He didn't know if he was in the body or if he was just seeing things. He wasn't quite sure. <laughs> but he said, it, the things that I saw and the things that I heard were indescribable. I, I can't express them in words. Have you ever had like a situation like that where you experienced this really amazing thing or you saw this thing, you felt this emotion and then you try to go tell it to other people and you, you're trying to describe it and they're looking at you like, you are the lamest person ever. They just don't have the same passion. Heaven is like that. Heaven is inexpressible. Heaven is difficult to describe. Ask a teenager who is experiencing their very first love to describe love. They'll just stammer because they don't have words for it. Heaven is like that. 
But we're gonna do our best here because the Bible does give us some insight into heaven. And so the title for today's sermon is The Current Heaven Is. Next week's sermon title is The Current Heaven Is Not. The Current Heaven Is, that's this week. Next week is The Current Heaven Is Not. And those titles might even pique your interest a little bit. Like, what do you even mean about the current heaven? I've never even heard of these things. Well, did you know that in the Old Testament, prophesied long before even Jesus came to earth and long before the Bible was written, the Old Testament prophesied that the entire world would be blown up, uh, uh, burned up and be recreated into a brand new earth. Did you know that? Well, look, look at Psalm 102, verse 25. It says, of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands, and God did create the universe, everything in it. And then it says, even they, all those things, will perish, but you will endure. And this remodel of earth and our atmosphere and the solar system it, it is going to be unbelievable. It's not like changing a few studs in your house and so that then you can have an open floor plan. It's not like adding a few more pieces of drywall and so now you have a new bathroom. It's, it's, it's not like that. It is almost unimaginable. But Second Peter 3 describes this remodel of earth and universe. And this is what 2 Peter 3, 7 says about that. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. The melting of the entire universe is going to go all the way to the molecular level. And God is going to recreate a, a earth, a, a universe that, that he and Christians will reside in forever. That is the future heaven. And so there is the current heaven that exists today. And then there is the future heaven after all of those previous things were all completely destroyed and, and reformulated into a brand new heaven. And so this week and next week, we are talking about the current heaven, the, the one that exists today. It's known as the third heaven, the place where Christians go when they die, the place where God is right now with Jesus Christ at, at his right hand, the place that Hubble telescope just quite can't see yet. And so I wanna show you seven great things about heaven. Seven great things about the current heaven today. And then once I show you these seven great things, I want to answer one question that a high school student asked me about heaven. And you probably have this question too. Let me show you the question just to get you thinking about it. When in heaven does a person know what is happening on earth? And, and if they can, how could it be called heaven if you are aware of anything bad on earth? And you didn't know teenagers could be that deep, <laughs> but they can be. And so maybe you've asked that question too, but before that, I wanna show you seven great things about heaven. The current one right now. The first thing, our heavenly father is there. 
God the Father, the one of the three persons of the Trinity, is in heaven today, right now. You remember when Jesus uh, w- was teaching his apostles how to pray, this is what he said in Matthew 6, 9. He says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. This is the God who loved people so much that he sent his son. He made the avenue for Jesus Christ to come to earth. Jesus submitted to God the Father when God said go, and Jesus went to be the salvation for the entire world and their sins. And so it's a wonderful wonderful thing that God the Father is in heaven, but you already knew that. Let me show you another great thing about heaven. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is in heaven. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one. But Jesus, though, entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus is known as the author and finisher of our faith. Then he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, which is in heaven. And then Hebrews 9.27 that we read says, He is in heaven for us. He has made the way, he is preparing a place, and he is in heaven today for you and for me. And what's he doing in heaven for you and for me right now? He, he's, he stands between us and God. And, and, and he's the, he, can, he can interpret our issues and our things. He has lived life on earth and he knows our issues and he knows our problems and he knows the sufferings that Christians experience and he has been there with us. He understands when we pray. And not only that, he's there to wash our feet clean when we confess our sin. We, we apologize to God when we sin. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins, to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Every time we apologize to God, he washes our feet clean. Jesus is in heaven for us today, and that is such a great thing about heaven. Thirdly, our spiritual family is in heaven. Our spiritual family is in heaven. Look at Hebrews 12. 22 and 24, it describes all that it is in heaven, including Christians that you know. This is what it says. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. And then this one. You've come to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. There's a general assembly of everybody who is a child of God and they have died. You know, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, they are now adopted into this new family. And so now you have a you have a heavenly father. You've heard that term. And so even if you're not in the same family, even if you have some different genetics, even if you don't have the same mother or father, even if you have different DNA, you are now a spiritual family because we all have God as our father. And so those friends of yours that are Christians that have died before you, they are in heaven today. Heaven is sweeter today than it was when you were born because those people are no longer here, they are there. Your Christian spouse that died before you is in heaven today. Your family who are Christians and they've died before you are in heaven today. 
Those Christians that you've kind of lost touch with, the, the ones that you wish you could reconnect with but you don't really even know where they are, they will be in heaven and you will be able to connect with them. Our spiritual family is in heaven. Even those people that you would love to talk to, you probably have a list of people you want to talk to. Maybe it's Moses, maybe it's Abraham, maybe it's Billy Graham. For me, the person that, the Christian that I want to talk to, the one that I want to meet is Oral Hershiser. <laughs> you probably have no no idea who that is at all. He, he was the, the winning pitcher of the 1988 Dodgers World Series, and now he's a commentator for the Dodgers, and I'd love to meet Oral someday. He's a Christian, and I probably will never meet him here, but I will get to meet Oral, the bulldog, Hershiser, in heaven someday, and that is a wonderful thing about heaven. Our spiritual family is there. Not only that, fourthly, our name is recorded in heaven. Notice what Jesus uh, tells uh, the disciples who are casting out demons. He says in Luke 10, he says, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. Don't, don't celebrate the fact that you can cast out demons. He says, but you should rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And of course, this is referring to the book of life where a person's name is written when they put their faith and trust in Jesus and their sins are washed away and they are wrapped in Jesus' robes of righteousness and, and now they have the hope of eternity in heaven. It's not just a hope like I hope it happens. It's a hope as in like I'm sure it's gonna happen and it's so much so that your name is written down in that book. God knows you by name and he is expecting you by name. <laughs> I'm not saying today. I'm not trying to say anything but he knows you by name and he is expecting you by name in heaven. Our name is recorded in heaven. Another great thing about heaven, our inheritance is in heaven. First Peter describes it like this. In First Peter 1, 3 and 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain a what? to obtain a car that's in heaven for us, to, to uh, uh, obtain a, a bigger bank account that's in heaven for us, to obtain a nice house that's in heaven for us, no, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. This inheritance is reserved in heaven for you under your name. That is an amazing thing. As we are an adopted child of God, we have an inheritance. You're like, how big is the inheritance? Well, I can tell you this, it's gonna be better than anything your mom and dad left you when they died. It's gonna be way better than that. A wonderful thing about heaven is that our inheritance is in heaven. Then our citizenship is in heaven. Number six, our citizenship is in heaven heaven. Philippians 3 says it like this, for our citizenship is in heaven, meaning our citizenship is not anywhere, your, your citizenship is not in the world. You're not a citizen of the world. You're not a citizen of the United States. You're not a citizen here in Riverside. I know you kind of feel like that you are, and you have your address that's on your driver's license, but did you know that you have a driver's license in heaven? With your, your social security card is in heaven. Your passport really is for heaven. In God's mind, it's not ours, but from God's perspective, we're like on vacation. 
In God's mind, we're like that infant inside of the womb of the mom, and he's saying, you're going to be in eternity much longer than you were ever on planet Earth. And I know you don't want to go through that one momentary traumatic moment to go from one to the next, but it is a wonderful place to be. And so, sixthly, our citizenship is in heaven. You're just on vacation. You're like, man, this is a pretty bad vacation. I know, I know. You'll get your money back. And then finally, number seven, our eternal reward is in heaven. Our eternal reward is in heaven. In Matthew, it says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is in heaven is great. Your reward in heaven is great. You remember those award ceremonies that you had when you were in school? Remember those? Where they would call a name and they'd walk forward and they'd get accolades for something and you'd just sit in your seat playing, please, just call my name once. I just want my name called, called once. Just please call my name. Call up another person and another person and another person. And this one person over here gets called like six times. You know, you know that guy. And you're just sitting in the back row, please, just, just call my name once. And then finally you hear Nathan Zickert. And you're like, yes! You stand up and you're walking down the aisle like, you know, everybody's looking at me and you're wondering, what did I even get called for? And he said, Nathan Zickert, most improved. And you're like, most improved? That's like the award telling everybody that you're really bad at something, just not as bad as you were before at it. And what kind of award is that? Thanks for telling my entire high school that I'm lame at something. That's the only award I got was most improved, Nathan Zickert. Well, there will be people in heaven in the exact same way who get called up all the time. And you probably know who those people are. You kind of have in your mind that people are going to get called up. And these are not awards for, uh, for how much money a person had on earth. This, wasn't a, this isn't about the, the type of cars that they had or the number of family members that they had or the political positions that they held or the leadership thing, things that they did in their company. It is about their faithful ministry while they were here on earth, their faithfulness to Jesus while they were on planet earth. And you know people who are gonna get called up all the time. <laughs> you can probably name them. You probably already know the names are gonna get called up all the time. And you probably also know some people who are going to be sitting in the back desperately wishing that their name would just get called one time. And I don't want you to be that person. This isn't a, a way to guilt you into doing better things. You're already going to heaven. You're, you're, you're al- you, your citizenship is already there. Your name is already there. So this isn't a way to guilt you to being good to get into heaven. But now that you are, wouldn't you want to live your life for Jesus? So every time... Every time you invest in God's ministry on earth, every time you teach a Sunday school class, every time you give your first and your best to God financially, every time that you you think of someone else and you display his love to other people so that they can see him in you, every single time, every single time, every single time, you are storing up treasure that is on earth. Your rewards are in heaven. What are the rewards gonna be? I have no idea. I wish I could tell you, I have no idea but our rewards are in heaven. And so look at these seven things about how great the current heaven is today. Our heavenly father is there, our savior is there, our spiritual family is there, our name is there, our inheritance is there, our citizenship is there, our eternal reward is there. And so when you 
ask, hey, what's gonna happen after this life? What, ha- what, happens, what happens after now? What happens after the celebrations? What happens after the, the funeral? What happens after the casket? For a Christian, they'll be in a wonderful place. The current heaven that exists today. And so then, back to that question that that teenager asked me, and probably you have the same question too. So when I'm in heaven, does a person know what is happening on earth? And if so, how could it be called heaven if you're aware of anything bad on earth? And that is such a good question. Many Christians believe that people will not remember anything about their past life or at least the uh, the suffering that they experienced on earth. And many people believe that uh, they will know nothing of planet earth for this express reason because those things would be bad and change my view of heaven. And, and this understanding comes from this verse, from Revelation 21.4, where it says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. And so this verse is often used when this discussion of what heaven is like and, and will I know anything there or not? And they'd say, well, God kind of almost erases your mind. He wipes away all those things that would cause any sort of tears there. But I want you to know something about this verse in Revelation 21. This is referring to the future heaven. This is, this is the future heaven. And the reason that there would be no more crying in the future heaven is because there's nothing more to cry about. And the reason that there'd be no more mourning in the future eternal heaven is because there's nothing to mourn about. But the future heaven that is going to be created is much different than the current heaven that exists today. The Bible does not say that there's not gonna be any crying in heaven today. You know, it's one thing to say that in the future heaven there will be no more mourning because there's nothing to mourn about. How sadistic would it be to have no mourning in heaven when there are things to mourn about that are occurring on planet earth right now? The suffering of Christians, the suffering of, of children, how is that not something to mourn about? And so I wanna show you something that will help answer you this question here in the book of Revelation. This is important, Revelation 6 verses 9 and 10. Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. It says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out in a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord? They cry out, How long, O Lord, holy and true? Will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Okay, so let me tell you what's happening here. This is a time still in the future during the tribulation time period where Christians are going to be killed for their faith. They will be martyrs only because they are Christians. They will be killed. And they will be killed and the same thing happens to them as anybody else. Okay? Their soul will go to God, it will be judged, and they will go to heaven because they are Christians. And so now this verse, these verses, these Christians are now in heaven. The current heaven. The heaven hasn't been remodeled yet, it hasn't been recreated yet. The current heaven that exists today. 
And notice what these people are doing in heaven. They are crying out, saying, when are you going to avenge our blood? That suffering was unfair, that was not right. When are you going to go back and judge those people because that was wrong? I know you're righteous, God. I know you're true, God. So when is it going to happen? And you know what God's answer to all of this is? Relax. Not, not yet. There's a number that I'm waiting for. A number of people to be martyred. And you're like, well, what's the number? <laughs> don't know that one. I don't know that one. But in these two verses, sometimes we miss the simplest of things when we look at the 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 deepness of it, notice two things. First, these people who are in heaven, the current heaven, they remember exactly what happened on planet Earth. Their minds were not erased. They remember the suffering. They remember the atrocity. They remember their blood that was shed in the wrong way, inappropriately, unfairly, unrighteously. And they remember it. And so can you remember things that happen on Earth? From this passage, yeah, I think you can. How much? I don't know. And then notice the second thing, that these people who are in heaven, they know what's happening on earth. You're like, well, how do you see that? Well, they ask, when, God? When is it going to happen? If they didn't know what was happening on earth, they would have asked, did you do it, God? Did Did you go and avenge our blood? Did you kill them? But see, they know that those people are still running around down there. <laughs> the, the person that did it to them, they still know that they haven't been judged. And so they're saying, when are you going to judge us? When are you going to judge them because of the treatment of us? And so these Christians who are in the current heaven today not only remember the suffering and the atrocities that happened to them in the past, they also know that their blood has not been avenged yet. And so in some way, they can see what's happening on earth. And you're like, oh man, does that mean my grandma can see what I can do in my living room? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know those questions. I don't know the answers to those questions. But I do know here that these Christians have an ability to, to know the suffering on earth and to know what is happening on earth today, even though they are in heaven. So let's get back to that question again. When in heaven, does a person know what is happening on earth? In some way, I don't know all the details. Okay. And then we get to this next one. So how could it be called heaven if you are aware of anything bad on earth? And that is, that is a deep question. But think of it this way. God, who is in heaven, knows of all the atrocities on planet earth. You only know of a few. You only know of a few of the sufferings. You only know of a few of the unfair things. But God, who is in heaven, he knows of them all. And it does not diminish heaven one bit for God who is in heaven. Does that mean that God does not suffer and mourn? Of course he does. Remember when Jesus came to earth, he, he mourned, cried, the, the death of, uh, the death of um, uh, I have to remember, Lazarus, the death of Lazarus. He cries with the family. And so Jesus, when he was here, he mourned with people more than one occasion. And then so then he ascends back up into heaven 
and he still knows of the sufferings of Christian on planet Earth, does he still not care? Does he still not mourn over the sufferings of Christians still today? Of course he does. And we know that because of one particular experience we see in Acts. Remember this event in Acts, Acts chapter 9? In Acts 9, verses 4 and 5, Paul fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Of course, this is Jesus. Jesus comes out of heaven knowing that Saul is killing Christians. Christians are suffering at the hands of this man. And Jesus is so concerned about this situation that he leaves heaven and comes to earth to address the man that is doing it. Does God still not care? Does Jesus still not mourn over the suffering of Christians? Absolutely, he does. And so then Paul says, well, who are you? (laughs) And he says, well, I'm Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting. He takes personal offense over the suffering of Christians because of their faith. And so just because God, being in heaven, knows of the events on earth that does not diminish heaven one bit, and it will not diminish heaven for you either. It's all about perspective. Our joy, our happiness in heaven is not predicated upon ignorance. Your mind does not have to be erased in order for you to have joy in in heaven. And the way that we know this is from another verse in the Bible in Luke. Describes what happens in heaven. Here's what happens in heaven often. When you put your faith in Jesus, this is what happened in heaven in Luke 15, verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We will have joy in heaven because we see the attributes of God in front of us. In in living color, we see his love and his grace and his mercy and his justice. We would know none of those four things if it wasn't for evil on earth. You get that? We see his love and his justice and his mercy and his grace and we would know none of those things if it wasn't for the suffering the sin that was on planet earth and so our joy in heaven our happiness is in heaven isn't predicated upon a mind that is emptied of of anything it's almost the opposite the more that we get to know god we will have a completely different perspective and we will celebrate god's mercy and his grace every single time he draws someone we will get to watch as god draws people to him and they change their mind about jesus and they put their faith in jesus and there's a celebration and we will get to watch that in real time and so now back to this question again so how could it be called heaven if you're aware of anything bad on earth. Well, God is in heaven, and he considers it heaven, and he knows of everything bad on earth. It's all about perspective. Yeah, I understand the suffering on earth, the the sin on earth, the bad that is on earth, but the bad that is on earth merely highlights God's grace and his mercy and his love and his justice and his righteousness. It glorifies God. But then you might say, even a deeper question than the teenager asked me, you might ask this, well, how could I ever enjoy heaven 
when I know that on judgment day, the people that I love are in hell, that those who aren't Christians are in hell, how could I ever enjoy heaven if I know that those people are in hell? And so this is where we get the idea that God's gonna erase our minds, that he's gonna erase our memories and there will be no more tears in any of those things. Because how could this ever be? And that whole mindset relies on God erasing our minds. <laughs> and we become stupidly ignorant. But that's not at all what happens. It's just the opposite. God will enlighten us. We will know more truth than we will know now. We won't know everything. We don't become God, but we will know more than we see today. And we will see God's attributes lived out for us and we will see God's great glory. And the Bible tells us what we will say on judgment day. Even though you have loved ones who will be judged, do you wanna know what you're gonna say? I'll predict it. I'm gonna predict what you're gonna say on judgment day when you're in heaven and God judges the world. This is what you're gonna say. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of all the nations. That is what you are going to say. And so those martyrs who are in heaven and they are looking forward to the day where there is no more sin, where there is no more crying, where there is no more mourning, they are looking forward to that day and when you go to heaven, you will be looking forward to that day too until the day that God does blow everything up and recreate an eternal heaven where then there will be genuinely no more mourning because there is nothing more to mourn about. And that is what is so wonderful about the heaven that exists today. So there were three guys. These three guys are in a car. They're driving down the 91 freeway. And as happens quite often on the 91 freeway, they're in a terrible accident and all three of them die. And they go to heaven and they're in an orientation in heaven. And they are asked, at your funeral, when you were in your, the, your casket, what would you like your friends and your family to say about you? And so they start to think, okay, what do I want people to say about me? And so the first guy, he says, I want people to say he was the greatest doctor of all time and he was a great family man. The second guy, he says, okay, I, I want people to say at my funeral that I was a great teacher and I contributed to the world by building into the lives of our children who are our future. And the third guy, he has a little bit more time to think about this and He's got a little bit light bulb comes in his mind. He says, I know. I know what I want them to say. I want them to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> that won't happen. And that won't happen to you. What do you want people to say when you die? Because we know that all people are going to die. And I know that this might create a little bit of worry in you. It might create a little bit of anxiety, uh, a little bit of anxious thoughts about what happens after this life because as bad as the pandemic has been, in our minds that's better than death. And the Bible tells us what we should think. In John 14, 
one, it says, it says this, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places, and if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There is nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to be troubled about. I do understand that that momentary time to get us from where we are to eternity is troubling. Just like the baby in the womb. And we'd say, no, 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 no. It's so much better. It's so much better after the troubling moments. The baby would not understand that, and we do not understand that either. And God says, don't be troubled. There's a home for you in heaven. But that's only for people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that there is a judgment for our sin. And the judgment for sin is eternity in hell. And you'd say, but everybody has sinned. Yeah, everybody has sinned. But now you've heard the truth of who Jesus is, that he's God, he came to earth in the flesh, he, he lived a perfect life. And so that when he died on the cross, he was who that thief thought he was. He was God in the flesh. He had done nothing wrong, and so as he was dying, he was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. He died for your sin, and he died for mine. That is a free gift that he gives you, and so now every person needs to decide. Am I gonna accept this free gift of salvation? Am I gonna believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Am I gonna be like the thief that was on the one side and who believed that he was, who he said he was, he had a change of heart and a change of mind about Christ? Or are we gonna be like that other thief who was on the other side who just mocked the whole thing and made fun of it until the day that he went to hell? And so now you get to decide. And every person that puts their faith and their trust in Jesus, that believes Jesus, that accepts this free gift of salvation, has a home built for them in heaven. And so that's how, two verses later, he says this, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way to Jesus. There's only one way to heaven. And that is by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've heard all these things about the current heaven, you realize that there's a, an eternity that's coming. And today is the day where you can be sure. You can be sure about your eternity. You can be sure that you're going to heaven. And all it is is changing your mind about who Jesus is. And you just talk to God about that. You don't have to, so you don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to come here. You don't have to talk to me. God doesn't live in one building and not in another you can talk to God right where you are, right where you're watching, right where you're listening today. And you can know that you are going to heaven when you die. And all those seven great things about heaven will be great for you too. And if you're not sure what to say about all of these things, all you do is you say what you know. You just say, God, I know I've sinned. I know, I know there's a judgment for that. And I don't want to go to hell. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he was God. I believe that he lived a perfect life. I believe that he wasn't dying for his sin. I believe that he was dying for mine. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the grave. You know his resurrection? It wasn't like finishing up your salvation or anything. It was proving to you that he was really God and he could wrap you in his robes of righteousness. He did something only God can do. And so now he offers you something only that he can do and that is wash away your sin. Just change your mind about Jesus. Well, with these things, let's close in prayer. 
Well, dear God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your sacrifice that you've made uh, through your son, Jesus, that we would have this kind of hope. And so God, as Christians, we're thankful that we know what happens after this life. We, we praise you for it. That's the reason that we worship you is because of your generous provision and not only providing a way, but telling us what the way is. And so we thank you for that. And so God, we, we lift up what is happening in our world today. Our world is upside down and it does bring uneasy to a person's heart but we know that we should not be troubled because we know what our future is. No matter what happens here on earth with the coronavirus, with fires, with riots, we know what our future is. And we thank you, we praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen.